0: From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hiki.
1: Hello, villagers! Happy, happy, happy Tuesday! Oh my goodness, last week was Thanksgiving. I'm sure everyone had a ton of family time, you had travel time, you had downtime, and you probably had a little bit of stressful times. On Friday, in episode number 76, the one right before this, I talked about how to set boundaries during the holidays with family and friends, and I gave my top Five tips of how to set boundaries, communicate boundaries, enforce those boundaries, and then exit a conversation that you no longer want to be a part of. That episode is such a good one, is such a good one. But today you are listening to episode number 79 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast, and we are diving even further into boundaries. If you know me at all, you know that boundaries are a very, very, very big part of my life, who I am, what I do in TBH, and how I support my clients. Today, I have on a good friend of mine and someone who I consider an anxiety pro. I am chatting with Shayna Mahoney the founder of Hope Products and a holistic life coach who is passionate about giving women hope to embrace their anxieties and fears and find peace and power within themselves. Shana has personally experienced anxiety and learned natural ways to manage her anxiety and emotions even through struggling to conceive and in infertility treatments. She combines her background in nutrition, psychology, human development, coaching techniques, sense of humor, and personal experience to transform how the mind and body are fully connected with her clients. Shana believes in deep and wholehearted conversations with women who uplift and empower each other, and that's exactly why I had her on the show today. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Let's dive in. Tuning in from Cape Cod, Shana, welcome to the show. Hi,
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: I am so, so happy to have you on the show. Today's episode is going to be a top hitter. I just know it. Um, Shana and I, for all of our listeners out there, we were just chatting and I've already cried. So grab your tissues, um, you know, grab your, I don't know, your brave pants. We are about to trek into a conversation that is very much needed, but not always the most comfortable. Um, We might go into things that make you say out or make you say, ooh, this feels sticky. I'm not sure I want to go here. Um, I really invite you and encourage you to stick with it. If you don't do it right now with us, no worries. You can always come back to this episode later. Shana, before we dive too far in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be on this journey that you're on right now?
0: Absolutely. So I am a holistic health and life coach. I give women hope to embrace their anxiety and fears and find peace and purpose within. And it has been a journey to get to that point. I grew up with a lot of severe anxiety. I mean, ever since I was pretty much born i guess my parents tell me stories that i year old of separation anxiety and social anxiety super shy sensitive little kid very very emotional and you know i really kind of thought that was a weakness growing up i really struggled but you know i i just kept kind of trying to push forward and do what i could and when i was 12 i was prescribed An antidepressant to try to help me during some really stressful times where I was um, struggling with panic attacks and depression and even suicidal thoughts. And you know, I took this medication for a few years off and on through high school, and it kind of, kind of got me through. But um, I still had the anxiety. I still had the fear. It didn't really totally help. And then when it came time to go away to college, I just couldn't didn't have the confidence to be able to go and do it. So I decided to stay local, attend community college, help with the family business. And during that first semester, my dad actually became disabled from taking a medication to lower his cholesterol. And it was really, really scary time. He couldn't walk for about six months, owned his own business. So our our world really turned upside down. And I was so stressed out trying to take classes full time, go to work for the family business in between, 18 years old, trying to do a lot. And it was a really stressful time. I was grabbing, you know, Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast and eating takeout all the time and just not taking care of myself whatsoever. And at that time, I had no idea how important it was to do that. But I started researching prescription drugs and just came across how much even the medication I was on, on, the side effects that it had, and realizing that I wanted to make some changes. So while I was attending college and working, I started going to nutrition school and just learning as much as I could about health and wellness, and I started getting into yoga, just trying to take good care of myself when I could and so much changed my anxiety was improving my moods my energy I wasn't getting as sick as much so I just really dove in and then started to help other women and that was when I was you know pretty young and still in college and just started coaching and loved it and tried to keep learning as much as I could and yeah so that's that's how I got to where
1: I am with the coaching (laughs) i love it villagers does it make sense now why shane and i are a perfect match there there's so many similarities in our stories and our approach and just the overall kind of way that we think i love this so much shane it's really interesting to hear um that this has been something that you struggle with since you know childhood i think This is something that we're recognizing a lot more in children now. I know that it's kind of a slow to believe um, epidemic, if you will. I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe that children can have anxiety, but as someone who has been in um, early childhood for, Many many years, and I have seen many 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 children. It is real. Um, can we talk about the impacts of anxiety on the body, um, just on the human body? Because the same things that we see in adults, stress has those same effects on children, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. So, what what are we doing to our bodies? What's this anxiety doing to us?
0: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, anxiety is extremely prevalent. I talk to moms all the time about it. I'm out networking, and it comes up in conversation, and it's really, really sad, and so many parents feel lost, especially if they haven't gone through anxiety themselves. They don't really know how to help their child through it, which can be really complicated, but they are seeing it more and more along with so many other issues with children, Um, you know, just hyperactive um, health issues. There's a lot going on, and I I honestly think a lot of it is related. And so anxiety, the impact it has on the body is tremendous. I think it is kind of this vicious cycle because, you know, if we're not fueling ourselves properly with nutrition and not sleeping well, then our anxiety is worse. But then if we have high anxiety, we're typically maybe not eating. Like when I was a child, I would not eat on school days. I would get so sick to my stomach because I didn't want to go to school or leave my parents. And, you know, so that wasn't good for my body. So it's kind of the cycle that we get into and anxiety really just has such an effect on the body where we are maybe losing sleep um, and just our energy and then it can lead to even depression even from a very young age I feel like I'm hearing it younger and younger so yeah for even as young children it really can have a negative impact
1: It definitely can. So while I was in grad school, I had to do um, various interns, and one of them was at a mental health facility that was for adolescents. And when I say adolescents, I mean our youngest patient was six. I did group counseling for children six to nine years old on a weekly basis. And while they weren't there, while anxiety wasn't their, like, prime thing that they were there for, almost every single child there had some sort of anxiety-ridden, you know, story. It was so sad. It is super, super, super prevalent. It's just everywhere, and it kind of takes over your life if you let it. I love that you point out the effects on our body. So Um, If any of our villagers have ever seen me, I am quite a petite, thin person, Um, and my family members and my friends always know when I'm super stressed because I will shed weight, Um, and even one pound, two pounds looks like 10 pounds on me, Um, you know, and I remember as a child, um, junior high and high school, like when things would really stress me out, Yeah, I would have diarrhea and I would like not be able to keep food down. My stomach would hurt. Then I would be hungry, which would lead to a headache, like... You know, and it makes me think how unequipped I was to deal with the anxiety. It also makes me really grateful for this, the, the resources that I've had along this journey because now I have great coping skills, um, but not without, you know, the help of really amazing people. But now I do have these coping skills, and it took a, it took a, a long time, and part of that is being able to receive that help and say, okay, you know, this anxiety is a little bit too much for me and I don't know exactly where to go. Um, Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think too, as women, we want to be able to be strong and handle things ourselves. Like, oh, I got this. I can control this part of me and I don't need to go share it with anyone else. But I think the biggest part, especially for me, was being able to open myself up to coaching and support And you know, coaching just changed my life. When I became a coach, I had to be coached. I had to do the work on myself, which was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, but it was so transformative and so powerful. And that's why I was like, I need to do this. I need to show other women that they're not alone and that they can be pushed a little bit out of their comfort zones and be able to express themselves so that they can be the best version of themselves.
1: I love it. Mine happened um, almost the opposite. So I, uh, I kind of use therapy when I need it. So I have a running relationship with a, a therapist, and um, I go to her when I need. And it's usually for a few weeks or a few months at a time, just to get me through whatever's happening at that time. And it's often things where I've never been there before, so I don't exactly know how to navigate this. And then once I get through those few weeks or months, I no longer need to go, but I have those that those tools and that set of skills that we just learned and worked through in my toolbox. So the next time that a similar situation comes up, I don't have to go back. So through my therapy, I got this coaching right. And then I entered into the birth world. And then now the infertility coach and I found that through my coaching I was able to help other women so you were a coach first and then through that you grew as you know with being coached I was first coached and then found oh yeah I totally through the tools in my toolbox can help these other women I love it I love how everyone's story is similar but has your own unique fingerprint if you will So um, as far as uh, infertility and anxiety, can we talk about that a little bit? Um, Only because, you know, infertility coaching is something that I do, and I hear that stress so often affects people being able to get pregnant. Can we talk a little bit about um, the impact specifically on fertility? Of course.
0: Yeah, I'm really passionate about this topic now, just because I have been through a personal experience with it. And so, you know, I am married to my high school sweetheart. <laughs> um, and we, of course, didn't want to get pregnant young. We had we starting businesses and had a lot we were doing. So, of course, on birth control and We got married and, you know, I'm like, let's wait a little while. We're not ready for kids yet. We're still young. But, you know, almost a year after being married, we're like, you know what? I I might as well get off of birth control because I know it can take a little while just because I had the background in health and wellness that it can take a little while for it to get out of the body. And I want to cleanse and take really good care of myself and start preparing my, not only my body, but my businesses, my life to be able to have a child. And so, went off of it, didn't think much about it, um, and just like, we'll just go with the flow, didn't stress about it. But after about a year, but not happening. I started to get curious and started to research and realize, okay, I was you know only 26. It should have probably happened within the first six months or a year. So by that point, started just getting questioning things a little bit. So I was seeing a naturopathic doctor and brought it up to her and she said, yeah, we'll get you on, you know, some herbs, start trying to balance things out, start paying attention to your cycles and what's going on and, this, I was learning a lot about, I was really curious about women. And I knew I had some extra stress having businesses and employees and busy schedule. And of course I was taking good care of myself, trying to eat well and get to yoga, but I was in that real masculine energy when I was working. I mean, hustling, not taking very many breaks to just breathe or sip, water, just go, go, go. I've always been that type of person, very motivated, ready to reach dreams and big goals. But, you know, I was probably pretty stressed out and not even realizing it. And so from there, you know, nothing was really happening. Um, So I, you know, was talking to my OBGYN and, you know, she's like, well, just get some, some testing. And so we started that. Nothing really came up. Both my husband and I, everything kind of seemed normal. So, you know, we we started we started one treatment. We did one IUI. And that was one of the most stressful things I've ever gone through going on. Clomid medication just made me feel a little crazy, (laughs) very up and down with my moods. Um, And when that didn't work and the doctors and nurses are ready to rush me into other things, I was just starting to feel like it wasn't in alignment. Of course, we wanted a baby, but it just was starting to feel even more stressful and not something that I wanted to be involved in. So I took a step back and really focused on doing more of the inner work and clearing space and taking time for myself and took that year to really work on everything from, I don't know, doing chanting to acupuncture to visualization courses. I dove into all of it to try to learn as much as I could and take the best care of myself. And of course I had coaches and support myself during that time. Um, Yeah. So it was really there was so much anxiety at first and learning to as someone with a type A personality when I was like, wait, but I just said, I want to get pregnant. Why aren't I pregnant yet? Trying to control my future, which as we know, as human beings and, in life, that doesn't work that way. And that's something I've had to work tremendously on letting go of that control and kind of allowing it to happen and see what steps are next.
1: I love it. I love so much that you talk about the energy. Isn't it ironic that something as peaceful and sensual as creating a baby can very quickly turn into this really stressful, rigid, just like overall chaotic process. And not only that, but For the people who need it the least these people are already stressed out that's why they're facing some infertility challenges and the process just makes it that much harder isn't that ironic
0: absolutely and the effect it has on a marriage on all your relationships, really friendships, everything gets impacted. So that heightens the stress and anxiety even more, you know, so there you are trying to take your temperatures or take ovulation tests and all of that. And, you know, it's stressing out your husband or your partner and it's just overall really affects every day. And there's kind of this grief that comes with it. So every month when you do get your period or that negative pregnancy test, and it's like, I'm grieving all over again. And, I went through a lot of grief in the past during my fertility journey because I lost Both of my grandmothers during that time who I was super close with and my friendships were shifting and there was just so much sadness and heartache and pain that I had to process and go through while I was on my fertility journey. And in some moments, it just felt so intense. And there was a lot of crying, a lot of releasing, a lot of journaling that I had to do the deeper healing work. Because I knew that was really important to be able to move forward.
1: It is so always mind blowing to me that um, no matter who I talk to, their lowest of lows always seems to just be like this perfect storm. So you talk about like your infertility, and then your you know, grandparents passing, and then your partner was anxious, and anytime that you guys are anxious, you're not going to want to have sex, but if you don't have sex, and it's just going to create more anxiety, because of course you're not going to get pregnant without sex, but who wants to have sex with an anxious, angry, like prickly cactus person, like, (laughs) you know, it's just, It's wild. It really blows my mind. So now that you are pregnant, congrats. This is huge and super exciting, and I'm so excited to go along this journey with you. But what impacts does stress have on pregnancy? So I know that my TBH clients, we work really hard um, to reduce all the stress, and I would Like to say that we're pretty successful at that. I think um, most of our clients feel super supported and relaxed, and we do a really great job of really cultivating that idea and that mindset. But not everybody is our client. So, what do people need to know about stress and anxiety on your pregnancy? So, you're pregnant, you're, you know, your baby's in there. Now, what?
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm just so excited to be able to be here and be pregnant and being able to share this. It's just, I have chills even talking about it. Um, So we actually, we did end up going, we did IVF. So it was about getting to that space of being open to do it. For a long time, there was a ton of resistance. It's like, I'm so into holistic health. I don't want to be doing medications or doing this, but we decided to do that. And it was such a weight lifted off of our shoulders because I felt it was the right timing. I don't think a year, two, three years ago, it would have been right for us, but I was doing so much of the other work to be able to get to that space. So when we finally did decide to do it, I felt amazing. I was doing, you know, the medications and things, but I was going to acupuncture. I was meditating. I was journaling. I was incorporating all of the tools that really helped me with my anxiety to be able to stay in that space of not being stressed out. But, you know, then getting pregnant was the best news ever when we found out. And it was so exciting. And it was just the high of all highs. But then the anxiety and worry started to creep in because I've had so many friends who have had miscarriages and I've heard so many horrible, sad stories. So then all of a sudden the fear started to creep in. And during the, the first couple months of being pregnant in that first trimester, I was like, oh, we just need to get to that next appointment. So I know everything's okay. And But during that, I really had to get back to my coping skills, my to- my own toolbox to be able to work through it. But it was, I think there was stress that started to creep in and I can totally see this for women, that that stress creeps in and it's not great for your body because this is a time you're supposed to be in the most flowing, peaceful energy to be able to have this healthy baby. And of course, some things are totally out of our control but just being able to take the best care of ourselves is the most important and not letting the fear and that anxiety take over is so so important because it drastically you start to just overthink things you're losing sleep again it's impacting every area of your life maybe you're bickering with your partner because you're just stressed out or nervous and not being able to express your emotions through that And for me, that was really, really important being able to journal, but also I'm extremely close with my sister. She moved out to California, so it's now just phone conversations, which is hard, but being able to talk to her and be honest and open and have other friendships like that. I had so much incredible support around me with my parents, my husband, my sister, girlfriends, my acupuncturist, everyone. There were so many people. There's been so many people involved in this pregnancy. It's not just me, but yeah, the stress and the anxiety can take over if you let it, but you have to be able to know, know those signs and kind of the symptoms with it and be able to take a step back and breathe and just trust that it's going to be okay.
1: You know, it's never just you. It takes a village and that rings true in adulthood too. So uh, we have this funny way of thinking that it takes a village only applies to children and it doesn't. So if you grow up and you uh, don't stay connected to your village, I'm going to feel really sad for you. I'm going to feel like you are not gonna have the support that you really need it really does take a village it's never just you so Shayna, what would have prepared you for this anxiety that came after the pregnancy or was there anything
0: it's so interesting when the anxiety started to creep in I was so shocked I thought okay once I find out I'm pregnant I'm gonna feel amazing life is gonna be just happy and perfect and Going to get excited to prepare myself to have our baby enter our lives. But no one told me there was fear in that first trimester or during the whole pregnancy, actually. No one had ever talked to me about that. And I really, really wish that came up. I think that would have prepared me a little bit more instead of feeling, Am I the only one who feels this way? Am I the... Because I have a past of anxiety. But then the more I opened up about it and realized it wasn't. So this, I wasn't the only one that really made a difference. So I listened, I remember listening to a podcast from someone else and she mentioned it and I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. This is, this is important, but I just, I do wish that I had known that. So I could have prepared myself a little bit more because I think I had such high expectations that I would feel awesome and excited, which I did. But then I was also really exhausted, <laughs> which when you're tired, your anxiety starts to creep up more because you just need to rest. And so that was the biggest thing. I, I wish I was told how much I would have needed that rest, but I did make time for it, which was really important.
1: You know, that rest has to become a priority for sure. And I think a lot of people don't realize that as well. I love that you talk about those first trimester anxieties and for our listeners out there, you don't have to be someone who has struggled with um you know getting pregnant before these first trimester anxieties are true for a lot of expectant parents no matter how your pregnancy came about. I think it is felt definitely more intense um, by people who had anxiety and have struggled with getting pregnant. Um, you know, that that pregnancy is, is a little bit, probably more extra special. You know, you worked a little harder. You have a, a little bit more of an emotional tie than someone who, you know, kind of took it leisurely and they had really awesome, I hate to call it luck, but they got pregnant on the first or second try you know or or maybe they weren't really making it a priority and it just kind of happened for them and that was part of their story um so i think that people can feel it differently but if you're sitting out there thinking gosh i have these anxieties and you know i didn't struggle with infertility am i weird no you're not i think it happens to a lot of people even people who and this is always so shocking to people and i'm never shocked by it people who have never had anxiety sometimes get pregnancy anxiety. It's like gestational anxiety almost. Um, And then sometimes people are so chill during their pregnancy and you have your baby and you feel out of control. You feel like you're going to lose your mind. Um, Anxiety can pop up at any point. I, I think it also kind of looks different throughout Your journey, which leads me to wondering, Shana, right now, can you tell us how far along you are and what your biggest source of anxiety is right now for you?
0: Mm, Absolutely. So I am 22 weeks along with a baby boy. So, yay! (laughs) Excited. And I'm feeling at the moment, I feel really good. So I think it's kind of like a day to day thing, but just knowing, you know, I think it really helps to have a bump when you're showing. I think the first trimester when you're not showing, it's like, oh, I don't, am I pregnant? I didn't get sick at all, thankfully. So, but there were times where I'm like, okay, there's really a baby in there. You know, you really question it. So now having this is great. I do think the anxiety that starts to creep in, of course I have an appointment with my midwife tomorrow. So just like, okay, is everything gonna be okay? Is my blood pressure gonna be all right? Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? I think the, the, some anxiety comes from like my, eating well enough? Am I drinking enough water? So just things like that, like every day, making sure that I'm doing the best I can for this baby, but without trying to make it this really stressful thing too. Cause I'm like, okay, that's not going to help. if I put way too much pressure on myself. So just trying to take it day by day and just do the best that I can is really key because that's, what's going to help keep my anxiety on that low level
1: too. I love it. And so what has helped with your anxiety? What coping mechanisms have you used that have been kind of key in this process and they may have changed. So feel free to, to share what helped, you know, while you were struggling with infertility and then maybe here in the first trimester and now what you're doing in the later part of the pregnancy.
0: Yeah, I have done so, so much (laughs) because I, love to learn too. And I love, I'm just obsessed with personal growth and being able to, like I said, be the best version of myself so that I can inspire other women to do that as well. And so just being able to Slow down is key. I have always been a fast paced person. I mean, I joke because back in high school, we had a big high school and I had six minutes to get to that next class. And I'm such a rule follower and I didn't want to break any rules or get in trouble. So I would rush to class, but I never learned to slow down. So even when I'm with my husband somewhere and we're just walking or strolling, he's like, slow down. (laughs) Because I'm just like on a mission. I have somewhere to be. I have things to do. Time has always been a source of anxiety for me because I don't want to be late for anybody or, you know, there's only so much time in a day to get everything done that I, I want to do because I have such big dreams and goals. So I think just learning how to slow down and my husband is very grounded, slower paced. Thank goodness doesn't have a lot of anxiety, knows how to handle stress in the moment and so he's taught me a lot and through this process just being able to you know there were times when we were going through the fertility struggles when someone told me you know just have your husband hug you to just keep you grounded and he's a big guy and i'm i'm like you where i'm very petite and little and so him just being able to just hug me and keep me feeling safe was a really big part along with the journaling even through our ivf process i journaled every day pretty much about everything I was feeling and the symptoms and just to be able to have record of the work that I put in and what I went through. And yoga, even at home, five minutes of gentle poses to stretch and get into my body. I think being able to get into our bodies is very, very important because we're so in our minds all day, every day. We're thinking too much. So to be able to just like stretch and focus and breathe to just ground ourselves is so, so important. So yeah, there's there's been a ton that I've done and I I've really stuck with acupuncture every other week because that has helped me a lot. Um, I found an amazing acupuncturist who focuses on women's health down here on the Cape and has helped me through a lot of this with different herbs and um, different modalities and, and being able to just talk to my family and friends. That is huge because there were a time where the first couple years of fertility, I didn't want to admit that I was struggling And no one knew we were really trying or struggling because I didn't want, I don't know, there was like this judgment on myself of almost like being a a failure as a woman. And that really struck a chord with me and was really hard. And I didn't know how common it was yet. So being able to understand I'm not the only one and then just ask for support has been huge.
1: I think for a lot of women, and you hinted at this earlier, a lot of women, I think one of our only things that we truly have control over is our ability to reproduce right It's our body. it's very ironic because in the birthing process, that's often not the experience. Women don't feel like it's their body their choice they don't feel like it's in control um so I think it's this constant tug of war of like this was one of the only things I have to control, it's my body, versus that's not the experience or the treatment that I get, um, not not in most healthcare settings here in America, at least. Um, we have a lot of international listeners, so I don't know exactly what it is like in your home country, but here in America that um, that is not said about all hospitals, unfortunately. So Shayna, let's talk about headspace. How do you keep in control of it? So I always like to say whatever your headspace is like is also going to be what your womb is like is how I like to make people think about it. So you can think about your headspace and your womb are intrinsically connected. So if your headspace is this grimy, dark, swampy, like, underground rain and it's cold and it's icky and it's negative that's what your womb is gonna be like but if your headspace is light and airy and warm and positive and bright that's what your womb is gonna be like when your baby gets in there what do you want their first experience to be like do you want it to be this grimy cold like Ninja Turtle Dungeon thing? Wow, that was great for the Ninja Turtles. Is that really what you want your baby to be in, you know? Or do you want it to be like this paradise? I definitely know which side of the fence I'm on. But how do you keep in control of your headspace through all of this? Because pregnant people have a lot of stuff coming at you. You have articles and opinions and sweet old ladies in the grocery store. And, you know sister-in-laws and you know they they come from the woodworks how do you keep in control of it all
0: I love that you connect the headspace to the womb because I think that's something I've learned and I think I didn't rush into a ton of fertility treatments a couple years ago because I knew how I wanted to feel and I wasn't feeling in that space and so knowing that yes I want my body to be this warm and safe and cozy, relaxed, calming, peaceful place for a baby. I had to have, I have to feel that way myself. So I, I don't feel that way. No one around me is going to feel that way because I have, you know, when I'm anxious, I have a way of, making everyone else stressed out. I'm pretty good at that. Um, So being able to take that step back and know how important it is. And even my acupuncturist, you know, talking about, okay, what you eat, that creates that warm space. So eating lots of like warm grounding oatmeal and drinking lots of warm herbal tea and just trying to take out stimulating food too, like trying not to do too much caffeine or too much sugar because I am very sensitive to those. And when I have that and I start to feel anxious. So, you know, the most important is what I'm fueling myself with, how I'm taking care of myself. But yeah, it's so important for me to know when the anxiety and I, I've become a really good reader of my own emotions and feeling the anxiety creep in my body, whether I start to get shaky or just emotional or I start kind of going on this like rampage of things that I'm worried about. And so knowing to just take that step back and in all honesty, Last week, I had a morning where I woke up and I was just grumpy. I don't think I slept well. And I just wrote how I was feeling. I am pissed off. I'm frustrated. Like it wasn't, I didn't even know exactly why. It was just emotions. So I knew I had to let them out. And then I talked to my husband about it and told him how I was feeling. And I just needed to get it out of my body because I don't want it in there. I don't want to hold on to that all day long. So I know now what I need to do in order to release it. And I've worked a lot on my spirituality the past few years. And I don't necessarily, you know, go to church every week, but being able to believe in some kind of higher power and trust that everything's going to be okay. It's not all on me. And I think for so many years, I thought everything was because of me. Like I have to get this done and putting so much pressure on myself. And that's not good for, for my baby, nor is it good for my heart health or anything. Like we have cancer that runs in my family, unfortunately, as so many families do. And just knowing that some part of it is due to stress and not taking care of ourselves. I'm really trying to not only day to day, but hopefully positively impact my future um you know doing what i can without that that extra stress so yes i absolutely believe that we can't have that negative stuff and i think it's it's fine you know some days we feel upset or anxious we're humans we are totally valid it's okay to have emotions Um, If we're not feeling like that and we're numb, that's not good either. We have to feel it. So I just let myself feel it and whatever that means, I just deal with it. You know, last year I was doing a lot of kickboxing classes, you know, just letting stuff out, doing what I could. And I think just expressing it is so key.
1: I could not agree more. So it's totally okay to feel those emotions. Um, Nothing makes me cringe harder than to hear somebody say, well, that's just not okay for them to feel that way. Absolutely, it is okay for them to feel that way. What's not okay is if you react in a bad way or you channel it in a way that is harmful or hurtful to you or other people. So it is okay for you to feel that way. What you have responsibility over is how you channel that energy. Also love that you recognize that you have this impact over everyone in your life. I too have this impact. I (laughs) I have this very dominant energy, and I imagine that you do as well. And not necessarily, I think dominant and aggressive often get linked. I don't have an aggressive energy, it's just dominant. I think a lot of people feed off of me. So, whatever I'm feeling, you can picture me kind of like a flagpole, and everyone kind of revolves around this flagpole. So if I'm really up, I can bring the energy up. And when I'm down, unfortunately, it brings everybody else down too, which it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? So if you have a dominant energy and you use it for good, obviously we can make really good impacts, but those times that we're feeling a little down, it's hard for other people to raise that energy without us. Um Yeah, I love how you talk about the energy because I think it's really important to notice the energy that's around you. And I think a lot of people struggle to not only identify negative energy, not everybody can look at something and say, actually, that person, I love them so much, but they're just not healthy for me. That is hard. And if you do get there, chances are you don't know what to do about it or you don't know how to put space between you. I call it a bumper. I like to say you should put a bumper around you and it can either be a permanent bumper and that person is no longer welcome in your life or it can be just a spacer bumper and those people, you just need some space from them right now in this moment in your life and you can invite them either back into your life or closer to you a little later down the road.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. We have to be protective of our energy in ways too. And I, big part of being open and releasing and expressing all the stuff I've been talking about that I've been doing the past few years, I have also created some really strong boundaries because I am a highly sensitive person. And when I ever learned that term, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one who feels like this. Like I'm in the grocery store and I'm picking up the energy of the person next to me. And now I'm sad or anxious or whatever they were feeling. And for so long, I didn't know how to describe that or explain it. And once I learned, oh, wow, I can recognize this, but I had to learn how to have boundaries. And I'm kind of a people pleaser. I want everyone around me to be happy. And, but for so long, I would suffer to help other people feel happier. And that wasn't helping me. So, you know, I always say to my clients, if... Everyone, if you're pleasing everyone around you, then you're suffering. There's no way you can take care of everybody else, make everyone happy, and you'd be totally fine with it. Maybe on the outside it seems okay, but really there, there's probably some deeper stuff going on and it's affecting you, especially if you are sensitive. So for me, I really needed to create those boundaries
1: hundred percent. Boundaries are so important to me. I haven't always had them, but now I create them and I hold firm to them. And yeah, boundaries are super important to me. If you are in my life, um, in like my personal circle, you know how important boundaries are to me. I, it, I make no jokes about it, no ifs, ands, or buts. And if you cross those boundaries, I will politely tell you one time, But that's all you get for me. I will not continue to remind you of my boundaries. That is not my job. That's not on me. That's on you to respect my boundaries that I have set forth. Um, And I encourage my clients to do the same thing. I think that if you want people to respect you, you have to first respect yourself. Nobody ever is going to give you more respect than you give yourself. What you give yourself sets the bar. Nobody's going to exceed your own bar. That's why you set it right? So you have to respect yourself. And it looks different. So not everybody has to be as, you know, maybe you think mine is rigid. Nobody has to be as rigid as the one-time rule. For me, that's what works. Of course, there are exceptions. Of course, there are people who I'm like, oh, I think that they genuinely made a mistake and I will remind them again. But if for the most part, no, I'm just going to tell you one time and I hope that you have enough respect for me as a human, as a friend, as a family member, as whatever to respect the boundary that I set forth
0: yeah and I always say you know what are your non-negotiables you know what are the things that are just you have to get done this week or that you know will make you feel good so for me I always put in yoga classes in my schedule because if I don't have it in my schedule something else is going to creep in and for me that is a boundary issue and so there's so much that I've been able to create the past few years and being an introvert, I am, I am able to build my energy back up when I am alone and at home in my safe, comfortable place. And so I know that about myself now after a big networking event or something like this summertime where it's so social and so many energies, I'm like, okay, I need darkness, quiet, cold. I just need to need a little break. And, but I know that about myself and the people that care about me the most, they know that as well. So they're able to give me that space. They know I'm going to re-energize and I'm going to be back.
1: Absolutely. I love it so much. So what advice do you have for expectant parents who are sitting there thinking, this girl gets me. I'm also like super anxious and pregnant. What do you, what do you say to them?
0: Well, first I just want to say, I, I understand and you are not alone. I think so much about being pregnant or having anxiety or having all that. We can, we can really isolate ourselves and kind of suffer in our own minds. And so I think the biggest thing is just getting support, whether that means talking to a close girlfriend, um, journaling, letting it out, going to therapy, getting a coach who really, really gets you. That's important too. So just being able to express yourself and your emotions and knowing that it's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And there's so many hormones and things going on and we're trying to nest. And there's, there's a lot, that whole nesting thing has really been big for me the past few weeks. And there's like long to-do list and all this. And my husband's like, okay, slow down. You know, like we, we have a little time, um, but I'm ready to just get it all done. But I know like, okay, I trust it's gonna get done. It's gonna be okay. You know, even if the nursery wasn't 100% done when the baby's here, it's not going to impact his life. Like he's going to be totally fine. So, you know, just knowing that the best thing to do right now is just take care of yourself. Even if you're still working full time and taking, you have other kids and you're overwhelmed, go and take a little bathroom break, take some breaths, do whatever you can during the day. Even if it's in a couple chunks, a couple minutes of time, just be able to put your hand on your heart, your hand on your belly, and just smile. Like I take breaks at work where I just look in the mirror and I'm like, I am pregnant. Like this is pretty kick ass. Like what my body is doing right now. (laughs) Or if I'm just lying down, I'm like, I am okay with napping right now and cuddling with my dogs because my body is working pretty hard and doing something really, really amazing. So being able to remind ourselves of that daily not just checking things off the to-do list.
1: I love it so much. For our listeners out there, my top four things are, number one, you need to find something at least once a week that you are doing for yourself. This might look like two minutes. It might look like an hour. It might look like an evening. Find something that you enjoy. Put the support in place to make that happen. Make it a boundary. Do it. Get it done. Number two, meditate. Even if you've just started out on your meditation journey and you are sitting there thinking squirrel, 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 and you're just sitting for two minutes, keep going. It's a muscle, right? So keep flexing that muscle. I promise you'll get the hang of it. Start small and you can build up to those crazy two-hour meditations. For the record, I've never, ever done that. I definitely am squirrel on that. Number three, affirmations. If you are interested, we have some previous episodes of the Tranquility Tribe that talks about anxiety and using affirmations to help cope with that. So check those out. You can create your own. You can contact me and I'm happy to create one for you or there are millions and millions bajillions on the internet. You have access to all sorts of affirmations. And finally, number four, sleep. I find that sleep often is a big reset for people a lot of times, and Shana had mentioned this earlier, but I find a lot of times you're tired and you're stressed because your body is tired or your mind is tired and your anxiety just rises and rises and rises. So take a nap, hit that reset, do whatever you have to do to have a good night's rest. I think you will find that is super super helpful Shana I'm wondering about your advice for partners so um, partners of dear people like you and I who have anxiety my Nicholas is absolutely the best I could not think of a better balance for me he knows how to ground me. He knows how to give it to me straight when I need that. He knows how to pick out small things that I have overlooked or forgotten. Like, he's just literally perfect. But not every partner comes to the table with those coping skills already or that knowledge. Thank you to Nicholas's mom and dad, I appreciate it. Uh, But for the, the, the partners who don't come to the table like that, what is your advice for those people?
0: That's a really, really good point. And yeah, I think this was part of some of our marriage struggles was John trying to understand me because that's really hard when you don't have that anxiety or sensitivity. You're just able to go with the flow and be in the moment. And he has such a gift that he's been able to teach me to do that. So I think um, one is I love the five love languages. I mention this to my clients very often about communicating and a lot of people have heard about it, but I know my love language is quality time. And my husband is acts of service. So they're very different. But him being able to go for a walk with me or do things that are just time with me means the world to me. And then if I'm just doing things like chores or errands, that is how I show him love. So, you know, we have to be able, we've had to learn how to appreciate one another's language and be able to show that to one another. So I really, I highly recommend looking that up. There's a quiz you can take to find out your top love language because we're most often not the same as our partners. And that's where a lot of the communication issues come up where I'm like, why doesn't my husband understand how important this thing is to me? But he just doesn't approach it that way. He's very different. And being able to learn from one another's strengths. Um, Like I said, he is very good at going with the flow and I'm not. So he has taught me so much about just sitting and slowing down and um, just observing wherever we are in that moment instead of just rushing to the next thing. So being able to know what
1: your partner needs at that moment is, is really important. I love it. So for my list, I have number one, be patient. So It's a process. Learning to work through your anxiety is a process for everyone involved. So, you talked a little bit about how a lot of people are involved in this process. It's like that for most people, Um, just like Shane and I's energy kind of ripples out, yours does as well, and your partner's does as well. So, just be gentle with them, be patient. Um, We don't always know. So, you might ask a question and we say, We don't know. Hopefully we're being honest and we don't know we're not using it as an escape mechanism, but if we truly don't know, be patient with that. We really might be in a place where we're still kind of navigating things. Number two, be aware so I think it is your responsibility as a partner. It's my responsibility as a partner as well, so like yours as an individual people to know how your partner receives things and to give them things in that way so you know your husband's love language is acts of service so you would want to do things for him. He knows that yours is quality time so he would want to set time aside to spend with one another. It's obviously so nice when he gives you things and I'm sure you appreciate that but those that's not your love language and I do think that it's your responsibility as a partner to figure out your your partner's Perception, how they perceive things, and then to cater to that. But then also be aware of what you need as a partner. And finally, ask questions. You can be curious. We want to know that you care. Try and stay away from questions like, Are you okay? It's probably pretty evident that we're not okay. But another question, an alternative that you could say is, Is there anything I can do to support you? what can I do to help you navigate this? Is there anything that I can do to make this easier on you? Or it might just look like a statement of, I am here to support you when you're ready. Um, Things like that can be super, super helpful. So those are my advice for partners. Okay, my last question for you is, what about the people whose partners don't believe in anxiety. Um, I have a lot of people who say their partner doesn't believe in it. So not to get too much on my soapbox, but whether you believe in it or not, anxiety is real. There's research out there. Uh, You can email me. You can PM me. You can DM me. I'm happy to chat about it. Um, You shouldn't believe or not believe in anxiety. It is a real thing, but for those partners who haven't come to that realization yet. What do you say to people who are sitting there thinking, my partner doesn't believe me? They just think I'm insert whatever?
0: Oh, such a good question. It's so hard because when you are in it and people just like kind of ignore it or don't think it's valid, it's so frustrating and it actually creates more anxiety for us, right? We're trying to feel understood. And when we feel misunderstood, then We just don't feel like we are being acknowledged or supported or even loved, you know, that really can affect us. And being someone who does have a partner who hasn't totally understood it, he has come far because we've been together a long time and have worked on this and he, he he has had little bouts of anxiety for certain things in life. So he started to understand it a little bit more. Um, But it took time for him to get through some of that and learn how to deal with it. So I think that it's important to be able to, you know, not make it turn into this defensiveness. Like you're defending your anxiety. You don't have to defend it, but be able to try to just say, you know, this is how I am feeling at the moment. This is how it manifests in my body. You know, we're all a little bit different to just try to explain it. And, you know, maybe you send your partner to some studies or websites or see if they are able to do a little research. I remember, um, this isn't really related to partners, but having a teenage female client um, all of last year working with her and her dad not understanding anxiety or being shy, any of that. and he they really, really struggled to communicate. Um, so I sent over some articles and some book ideas for him to read to just try to at least try to understand it so that he could communicate with his daughter better. and and it really helped for them to be able to spend more time together and her to be able to explain herself because, She felt really inferior to his energy because he was so outgoing and didn't have anxiety, didn't have any fears out there, public speaking and doing all this stuff. So she really had to try to explain that. And like you said, being patient, it it takes time. Not everyone is going to understand you. That's not what life is about. There's lots of times where you're going to feel misunderstood or disrespected and but it's being able to have that confidence within you and be able to find that support elsewhere. So right now, if you're not feeling that support from your partner, be able to get out there and have friends or support systems of people who do understand you. And that's something that has been huge for me in my relationship, is that I did have coaches or friends or colleagues that I could talk to about the anxiety and the different emotions I was feeling. Instead of putting all that pressure on my husband to try to understand me, that wasn't good for us. (laughs) That's not his responsibility to fully understand and be able to handle anything I throw at him with my anxiety. So, you know, there's just being able to find that support elsewhere and build up that confidence within you.
1: Absolutely. I think being able to find outside support is important no matter what, um, I love that you point out that your partner has their own weight to carry around. Like, everybody has their shit, if you will, even if it's not negative. Like, you just have your life stuff, your life luggage. And when you partner with someone, of course, you take it on that you're happy to help them carry theirs. But to expect them to carry all of your luggage, every one of your suitcases and duffel bags, and to put your shoe bag right on top, that's a lot to ask someone, right? I really. I love, love, love how you point that out. Shayna. this has been so, so, so much fun. If someone wanted to connect with you and, um, you know, maybe share what this episode made them feel or they wanted to work with you, where could they connect with you?
0: I love that. I'm so grateful to have been able to share so much and connect and hopefully people resonated with it and it just helps some way, somehow. So yes, I am on social media, so Instagram, Shana Mahoney XO. I'm on Facebook, Shana Mahoney or Shana Mahoney Coaching, and I just try to share a lot of inspirational posts. I have a blog at shanamahoney.com where I've already written even about my first trimester and talked a little bit about the anxiety and the different feelings I had during that, And, and there's a lot of resources there for anxiety, whether it's nutrition related, mindset, a lot of coaching tools there. Um, And I also have uh, my Hope Shop. So I do Hope products. So, you know, I have a a candle and a meditation that goes with it and a lavender sage spray that I, I created these products for my clients to use for sensory tools to breathe and slow down. And then it just has kind of grown from there. And been really, really fun to have something to help them ground in the moment. So yeah, and I offer free consultation. So if anyone just wanted to hop on the phone and share how they're feeling, want to chat a little bit more one-on-one, because of course this is amazing, but sometimes we have our own personal stuff that we can't share in that bigger way. So if anyone ever wants to connect, I am there. And my email is shayna at shaynamahoney.com.
1: Well, there you go, listeners. You have so much support. I hope that you are walking away from this episode feeling supported and having realized at least a thing or two. And if you joined us today feeling low or down or kind of at the end of your rope, I hope that you're walking away feeling like there's still a little bit left for you. Like you have some lifelines out there that you have some support and some help. There's so many people out there who love you and are willing to help you. All you have to do is ask and accept it. You do have to accept it after that. I think asking is the hardest part and then you will find people will rush to your aid to help you. Wow, this has been such an amazing episode from first trimester anxieties to the energy of your brain to your womb and advice for partners, what expectant parents can do to make sure that their body is ready to accept a baby, grow a baby, and then sustain a healthy lifestyle after that. Oh my goodness. Villagers, You, thank you so much for showing up for us today. Shane and I have had so much fun chatting with you. Happy, happy, happy Tuesday, villagers. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Hello, villagers. I just wanted to hop back on here and let you guys know that registration for the fourth trimester workshop is still open. If you are an expectant parent, this is the workshop for you. We're bringing it to you in your home, on your computer, you and five other couples and two professionals. It's going to be myself, and I'll be teaching you all about bringing your new baby home. I'm even gonna dive into a little bit of of sleep in the last trimester and how to get you some more sleep right before your baby comes. Then we'll start to prepare for after your baby gets home, how will you get you and your partner sleep? How will you manage your household with a new baby? Secondly, you will meet Kate. She is the founder of Serenity Sleep and Wellness, and she will be diving into how you can best support your newborn sleep once you bring them home. She is going to talk all about those first few weeks and months and what you can expect and what you can do to try and get as much shut-eye as possible. You guys sign up for the link in the show notes. You don't want to miss this. It is only open to six families. So go ahead and get your name on it now. This is going to be on November 29th, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get your name on the list. Do not be caught off guard in postpartum. Don't let yourself have a baby and then find yourself in the midst of a complete circus and leave yourself looking back, wondering why in the world you didn't prepare better for this. Come on, guys. Make yourself, number one, put yourself as a priority for two hours. That's it. That's all I'm asking you. And this will be a total game changer in your postpartum experience i will see you guys there don't forget to register in the show notes as always villagers find your tribe and love them hard did you know that you can join our online tribes our private facebook group can be found by searching the tranquility tribe podcast on facebook and our instagram tribe is tranquility by hee he. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyheehee@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.